Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Golik and Smetty here, and I had one major complaint about Florida. Only one? Welcome to another edition of Golik and Smetty. This is the March Madness edition of Golik and Smetty, our favorite time of the year. I'm Mike Golik Sr. She is Jess Matana. Maybe not the complete favorite time of the year, but Jess, this is a monster time of the year where everybody can feel like they know what they're doing because you get people mm-hmm. who don't know basketball filling out cheats and they're winning their pools wherever they're, whether it's at their companies or wherever or on one of these websites, and it just proves we all don't know shit because <laughs> you could just fill something out and win. So it's still time as, uh, to, to fill out, obviously, the men's tournament, the women's tournament out there as well. This, to me, Jess, is one of the best times of the year. Oh, I agree. This is the time of year where I put on, like, seven college basketball podcasts back to back to back and try to, like, you know, gain a a nugget of information that then I can repeat to someone else and pretend like I've been doing all the hard work watching all the games. So we did that for people in this episode. We have Julian Edlow from DraftKings Fantasy. He's also a betting analyst for DraftKings, host of Unreasonable Odds podcast on DraftKings. He'll be coming up in a little bit. But before we get to him, Mike, we have a few things we need to talk about. We have... TV shows that we've finished watching that we need to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. catch up on. We have uh, just, I mean, what else? We have a whole bunch of things we want to chat about, right? Yeah, yeah, we do. And uh, and I know you're, are you in like a club setting? Are you, are you part, we're yes. taping uh, this in I the should, morning. And I mean, I well, what should, are you yeah. wow, you don't waste time. No, for people watching, this is not my usual, this is not my work from home office. This is like the side studio at the Clevelander Hotel on Miami Beach. And I don't know if you can hear the bass underneath me, but my chair has been vibrating because of this bass playing at the club downstairs for the last 30 minutes. So hopefully people won't be able to hear that. But it is uh, it is spring break on Miami Beach, and the music starts at 9 a.m. It's a, it's Wow. A did, now, were you? Uh, I, I went on one spring break. A lot of times at Notre Dame, you had you had spring ball right around spring break, either mm-hmm. right after or, or right in the area of. So I never went on spring break till my senior year. It was mm-hmm. after you know my I didn't have spring ball, and it was before the draft, but I was still working out and such. <clears throat> and I, so I only went on spring break once. Did you? Did you go all the time? I didn't really do, like, college spring breaks at all. I think Notre Dame spring break is actually this week. It um, is, yes. So so that's going on. I mean, it was never really my thing. It was always expensive, and, you know, by, by the time I was in college, Mike, people were like, oh, like, we're going to Cancun. We're going to all these places. I'm like, I don't want to – like, I, I work a 7.25-an-hour job on campus. I don't really want to spend it on that. So – I usually just kind of did whatever my parents were doing that week, which was just like play golf somewhere for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've basically been a 65 year old for a while now. Yeah. Seven twenty five an hour. What would that had to be like decades uh, ago? Indi- oh my God. Indiana. No, I think it was seven. Tw- I think that's still current. The minimum wage in Indiana. I can, I can look it up. No, that I think can't I be. Made, I think it is. I think I made seven sixty five because I think it was just barely over the minimum, but. Oh, the minimum wage has got to be. I, I, you know, the first amount I made, I was sixteen, and this is obviously it's, it's still seven twenty-five. I just googled it. Come on, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah wow. I know. Well, for me, back in the olden days, um, the first job I had was a lifeguard, 
at my local pool, Manry Pool, in the summertime. And, Jess, I made $2.32 an hour. $2.32 an <laughs> What year? Okay, hold on. Let me, let oh. me, I've been doing this a lot lately because I've been watching a lot of Columbo and I've been pulling up the old inflation calculator. Right, because, right. Because, like, in, in, you know, in Columbo, someone will say, like, they stole $400, and I'm like, okay, that's, you know, that's not that much money. But then I'll do the in- inflation thing, and it's like a couple grand. And I'm like, oh, all right, that's, you know, that is, a lot yeah. of money to steal. So let me let me pull this up. What year were you? So I, I was I turned 16 in 78, but it, that was in the winter time, So it would have been the summer of 79 Okay. Um, okay. is when I started working there as a, as a lifeguard. God, I love that job. We had so much fun. Oh. So much fun as being lifeguards. Well, the, it's currently the time of year in Miami where, regardless of where you live, you're going to just be inundated with traffic, people partying at 4 a.m. Like, I couldn't sleep this weekend because there were people out in the middle of the street, like, partying, and I felt like such a grumpy old lady, but, you know. Well, you know, to, to your point, I went on one. It was senior year uh, when I was at Notre Dame, went to Fort Lauderdale. Um, with some of my roommates, my Chris, my wife, who was then my girlfriend, she went on, on the trip as well. So we were down there and, and to your point, Jess, I I hate, I hated the crowds. I hated it. I hated being in the bars. (laughs) I don't still like being around people. Yeah. No, I just, I just, so I'm with you. I, I was at that age. I was like a 65 year old as well. I'm like, it's too crowded. It's too loud. You know, I want no part of this. So yeah, I wasn't uh, I wasn't all that all that thrilled about it. I, you know, listen, I made the best of it. You know, <laughs> believe me, uh, it was a whole lot of whole lot <laughs> okay. of drinking going on. So you said you got paid two fifty an hour? No, like two thirty, two thirty two. Two thirty. I don't yeah. know if this is right because this says that that's nine fifty three in twenty twenty three, which is above what I got paid at my minimum wage job in Indiana. Well, I so mean, Ohio is just a better state than Indiana. <laughs> Ohio is a better state than Indiana. Oh no, they've. We've got wars over this. I know, I know. I won't say it. The Toledo War. I'm just kidding. Yeah, that there was you Michigan. go. We wanted to talk about you finished Drive to Survive finally. Yes. And yes. we wanted to talk about that. We also want to follow up on The Last of Us because yeah. the finale came out. We talked about it last week. So, spoiler warning if you haven't seen the finale of The Last of Us, we'll talk about it for five minutes. So, just skip ahead if you haven't seen it yet. Yes. But what did you think yes. of the ending? I was, and, and again, please listen to what Jess just said. If you haven't seen it, just, just you, we're, we're saying, go ahead, just fast forward. Because I loved this show, and I know another season is coming out. Uh, I, I, as a matter of fact, last night, Jess, I just watched on HBO, they had the making of The Last of Us. And I watched that for a while and how, how they were trying to keep it close to the video game and uh-huh. such. What a moral question yes. and moral dilemma that faced Quite Joel. a conundrum. As Joel and, and, and Ellie, got, Ellie. Got, Ellie got basically, you know, um, not kidnapped, but captured actually by the hospital that they were trying to get to anyway, uh, because Ellie, they were going to get the cure from her. And as it turned out, the cure meant by the time Joel woke up after being knocked out, he was told Ellie was getting prepped for surgery. And to make a long story short, what they had to do to secure the, the remedy she wasn't going to survive the surgery. Mm-hmm. She she was mm-hmm. going to basically give her life for the the remedy uh, for the fungus. And Joel was basically having none of it. And they yeah. tried to lead Joel out of there. They were going to let him go. They were going to take him out to the highway. But Joel got that look in his eye that we all know, whoever has watched this, and he went fucking whole hog <laughs> and just off fucking everybody. I mean, just... <laughs> re- let me tell you when... They, when what a when, recap. I mean, when, when Ellie, Ellie went in the other one uh, and, and went ham on that dude in the fire, yeah. you know, that was when these was guys crazy. go nuts, they go nuts. And Joel went crazy and he saved her and they drove back to Joel's brother Tommy's place and we're going to live there. And he explained, yeah. yeah, he explained to her that there were plenty of others like her and they didn't need to do what they wanted to do to her because there were plenty of others. And I could tell she didn't believe him. And uh-huh. basically the last the last scene was her saying, Joel, are you telling me the truth? Are you telling me the truth about what happened back at the hospital? And he said, yes. And that was basically it. And we started, I started texting with Mike and Sydney who watch it as well. The moral dilemma of, do you sacrifice this one person 
for the good of everybody else, or do you say, screw it, you're not touching her and save uh-huh. her? And and I thought, Jess, that I would lean toward Joel's side because I would justify it by saying, maybe there's others out there like her. Maybe they'll find another way. And he's grown really close to her, and he lost his girl. He lost mm-hmm. his, his daughter, and he wasn't going to have that again. But I don't think she believes him, and I think that, that could change that relationship forever. Well, you have kids. How many? How often do you lie to your kids about something to protect them, right? I oh, feel like parents plenty, do that all the time. Plenty, and you got to have a good poker face. I don't think Joel had a great poker face <laughs> about that. He should that. be better at lying. Yeah, he, That's he a very should be. Stu Gatz would have would have yes. nailed it in this. Oh, role. would it would have absolutely. So, what would you what would you have done? Because everybody's going to ask themselves the question of what they would do. I think that's why it's a good finale because I don't yeah. think there's a right or wrong answer because what's right to one person is wrong for right. someone else. Yeah. So it's kind of like a interesting philosophical question. You, you know, you you might have just made things worse for the rest of the human population by right. not creating this cure for cordyceps for this like creepy fungus thing. At the same time, though, like you saved someone's life, so you have to weigh. The, the repercussions and the consequences of that, which I, I think it made it a really compelling finale. And I don't know, I don't know what happens in the second season. Cause I know no. this is, you know, there's more stuff that happens in the video game that they'll base it off of, but um, it was a really good show. I'm, I'm a little sad that it's over. Me too. And man, the, the, the other downside of it was did Joel, Joel just killed everybody. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those people now, some were soldiers and they would, you know, they were going to, but killing the lady, you know, at the Marlene, end there. Yeah, um, who was I mean, like in charge of the whole thing, trying to find the cure, like dedicated her life to saving. Yeah. That was the thing that was so, so sad. Yes, she was Ellie's yes. mom's friend. Ugh, Mike. And, and, and he had no remorse. He popped her in the gut and then she tried to talk her way out of it. And he was just like, you'll keep looking for boom. And that's it right in the head. I'm like, oh shit, this dude yeah. is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was wild. So, um, all right, so I was going to say everybody can join back now, but you don't know I'm saying that if you fast-forwarded yeah. ahead. All right, but, well, uh, let's just segue quickly into something else. So that Yes, can, yes. Well, yeah. segue to Drive to Survive. I All finished right. Season 5. First off, for this year, how do they have the first race of the season last week and take a week off of it? <laughs> I, I got up Sunday morning ready to watch a race, and there was nothing. I'm like, what the hell is this? I, don't, I mean, I don't know how they do the scheduling in Formula 1. It's probably something that we could look into. But I think yeah, after yeah. – like, they do testing – back-to-back weekends with the first race. And then I think they give the teams and, like, the constructors a weekend off to, you know, adjust things, and then they come back. So they're back this weekend now in Saudi Arabia. Um, But there's already already drama, Mike, because Charles Leclerc is taking a grid penalty. Ferrari's got a ton of issues with their car. It's the second race of the season. Like, how does that happen already? So – I don't know. For it's same same old shit for Ferrari, unfortunately. It, it is because they were trying to make that run. As I was watching again at the end of last season, when they were yeah. trying to make a run, but Red Bull, even though they got nailed for overspending, you know, on the cap and got fined what seven million dollars, uh, I believe it was. But the big change, and again, I I didn't see the first race because I was out of town, so I, I'll I'll catch up on it now. But at the end of it. They introduced probably what three or four new drivers. I know mm-hmm. uh, R- D- Daniel uh, Ricardo, right? Is, he he doesn't he doesn't he's an alternate driver, I believe. Is he's that a what reserve you for Red Bull, yeah. Right, and, and then and there's, there's, there's like a... three or four new drivers that look like they're 12 years old. Yes, <laughs> well, they are very very young. So oh. Logan Sargent is he's actually from Florida, so he's an American-born racer. He he moved to Europe when he was like 14 years old, though, to to race. So. Not, not a, a typical American upbringing, right. but he's very young. Um, Nick DeVries actually looks extremely young, but he's 28. So he's one of the new drivers. And then there's Oscar Piastri, who I think is 21. But but he's Australian like, isn't driver. he the one now that at, at, in Drive to Survive this, this last season I watched? Everyone was saying this yes. guy could be the next big time driver, right? 100%. He had an incredibly successful uh, career in like the junior racing series. So right. he got fought over between McLaren and Alpine for that seat after Fernando Alonso went to Aston Martin. And now McLaren looks like they're in 
big trouble early in the season with their car. And Alpine, we don't really know yet, but they look like they're okay. So maybe a mistake on his part, something that'll probably get debated for, for decades, so, I'm sure. So, that, so that's, so that's the one thing. So, so during it, Alpine said they put about $4 million into this Oscar kid to kind of bring him along. Mm-hmm. And then he signs with McLaren. So he mm-hmm. jumps ship. And, and I remember hearing them talking, saying, boy, you'd think there'd be some loyalty and this. And I'm like, have you watched this show? I mean, <laughs> there ain't shit for loyalty in this thing. I mean, the word team is so loosely, in my yeah. opinion, used in this because none of these drivers feel like they're actually teammates with one another. All they care about is, I, is am I faster than my teammate? Right. Am I, I considered the number one guy? I mean, it's the most ridiculous definition of the word team I've ever seen. <laughs> and I think there's also an interesting thing that gets lost in it where Alpine had him as their like academy right. you know, driver that they were bringing up through the ranks to one day have a seat for them. But they still wanted to re-sign Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon in 2023. So he wouldn't have had a seat with them if Alonzo right. hadn't left. So then all of a sudden, right. Alonzo leaves, kind of leaves Alpine in the lurch, and they're like, oh, well, thank God we have a backup plan. And the, the guy who's the backup plan is like, no, you guys didn't have a seat for me, and yep. I made my own choice, and now I'm exactly. leaving. So, I, I don't blame I mean, him one bit. I don't either, but again, it's this is it's going to be de- – his this career decision for him, Like much like everything Daniel Ricciardo has done in his career, another Australian driver, like going to be debated for – years but i mean there's still 22 races left this year so i was gonna say in two years narrative in in two years that kid will be on another team anyway i mean the the way that the musical (laughs) chairs goes but one thing i do love and it's it kind of matches like full swing the netflix for the pga i like when they do the flashbacks because these all these all these guys don't just start racing each other in f1 I mean, I love when yeah. they go back to the go-kart series where they're racing against oh, one yeah. another. Just like in, in full swing, when they show all these guys that were in the juniors playing against one another and now on the tour with each other. To me, that's almost the coolest part of this is kind of the upbringing of them. You see pictures of them where you like Lando Norris, who's also incredibly young. I think he's 23 years old races for McLaren you see him and you're like wow that is a such a young person and then you see a picture of him when he's like 12 racing against yeah like 15 year old Max Verstappen and you're like oh my god they are children like they are so young there's if you google it Mike you're gonna lose your mind it's the funniest thing but yes like you're like you said they all kind of know each other from coming up through the ranks together and it lends to some weird uh relationships and connections and you know a lot of them are friends with each other and a lot of them don't like each other yeah, it's exactly right. It's exactly, and they all fake it really well. I loved in the last season as <laughs> or, as, or as Red Bull was getting you know looked at for overspending on the budget. All the guys that were talking behind their back, and then when they'd be face to face, you know, oh, we didn't say, we didn't mention your name. You know, it's like nobody has the balls to just go up to anybody else and say, man, I think you're cheating. You know, they just all want to say it behind the scenes. But you know that what that's what makes drama for the show. So I get it. I love it. I love watching it, and I look forward. Uh, to sitting down and watching a race this weekend. As I look forward to, and and I I don't know if you know this, Jess, but as the men's and women's tournament gets ready to go, we're going to talk about the women's first. Did you know, Mm. I don't know if it's either Thursday or Friday, is one of the most popular days that guys take off of work. Because they want to watch. So you know what the big thing is on Thursday? I don't forget. Again, I forgot if it's Thursday or Friday. Are you, gonna, are you gonna talk about this vasectomy thing? Yes. It's exactly I've heard right. about this. This yes. is so weird. So people yes. schedule they schedule their vasectomies so they can get off work. Is that right? Yes. Is that what it is? And they so they can get off work to watch all the games. Because there is nothing like on Thursday and Friday watching games that start at noon. You could just literally sit in a sports bar or your house and watch basketball all day. Mm -hmm. And that's when you see some of the updates. It's phenomenal. But, yes, it's like one of the most often days taken off and guys get vasectomies so they can take those days off and watch. I I would read 10,000 words about this because it's like a minor medical procedure, sure, high success rate, I guess. Like, it's you're not really going under. But why can't can't people just take sick days? Why do you have to – get the like do you need a doctor's I, note i guess i it just blows I, I my i would just say like i'm sick i can't stop throwing up i'm staying home 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it, this it is, is following through on an excuse to an extreme degree, in my opinion. Yeah, it is an extreme degree. It is easy. I had it done. It's very easy for sure. Um, <laughs> Did you get it done on the first Thursday of no, March Madness? No, 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 I didn't. No, no, I didn't. You, ha- you probably I, had to wait till like the middle of July with your job. It's always so amazing <laughs> when I hear. Yeah, I did have to wait a little bit. Yes, it, it uh, is always amazing uh, when I hear about that. But hey, that that's what people feel about these these tournaments. And so let, let's jump into it before we get to, to Julian. Uh, talk about the women's side. Clear cut, obvious number one overall is South Carolina. And that's going to be yeah. now why they've had some close calls. That's going to be the big question. Can anybody touch this team? Yes, I agree. I hate picking back-to-back championship winners in yeah. my brackets because I always, it's so hard to win back-to-back, like what we saw with Georgia this year in the um, you know college football national championship. So I'm always wary of it, but I think their odds right now on DraftKings Sportsbook are minus 200, um, and the next highest odds are for UConn at plus 800. And UConn's actually yes. a two-seed, a two which Amazing. is uh, – yeah, so they've had injury issues this whole season, but they're back at full, almost full strength. I mean, they still their best player is still out for the rest of the season, but they're a two seed in the Virginia Tech side of the bracket. That's the one seed uh, in the lower right hand if you're filling out your bracket. Right. So, I mean, I I could easily see them making the final. I think I have them in the final four in my bracket. Um, and UConn and South Carolina played in the national championship last year, and it was a really good game. South Carolina was dominant in it, but it wasn't, you know. They weren't far off, so that would be not uh, not statistically a big upset. But considering how UConn's season went, and it looked like at times they yeah. were going, they were having a really disappointing season. Gino Arame left the team for a few weeks because he was dealing with personal issues. They've had, like I said, injury issues, but they're playing really well right now. So obviously, UConn is never fully going away in women's college basketball but there's so many other interesting teams uh in the bracket too that you know Stanford's amazing they had some trouble at the end of the the season and in the conference tournament but they've got two incredible players in Cameron Brink who was actually a guest on Off the Looking Glass this week if people want to listen to that um and Haley Jones and then Indiana on the other side the other number one seed they I think they only lost one or two games this entire season they're really good um Indiana and South Carolina, I think, would be an awesome national championship game. So uh, it's what, it's going to be really fun to watch those later rounds. What's interesting in the top fifteen on DraftKings Sportsbook, Virginia Tech is basically in the middle. They're one of the number one seeds. They're at plus five thousand, tied uh, with Maryland. Again, if people don't know, number one seeds are South Carolina, Indiana, Virginia Tech, and Stanford. And on the women's side, that side usually holds way more chalk than the men's side. Either the one seed or the two seed having the best shots in there. And you mentioned South Carolina, the only one at minus or at minus 200. Then you get that two seed in UConn. Then you get a one seed in Stanford. You get a one seed in Indiana. And then I think it's a, is LSU is a, are they a three seed? They're a, th- they're a, three, a three seed. But seed. Yeah, they're, I mean, so they're, they're an interesting team because they played really well. They won a lot of games, but when they played South Carolina earlier this year, South Carolina was dominant, and then they got upset in the SEC tournament to Tennessee, Right. Um, and they're in a really difficult chunk of the bracket as well. So, you know, I think this is an interesting year for the women's side because there's, you know, like you said, there's South Carolina in a class of its own at the top, and then I think there's five or six teams behind them. And we haven't even talked about Iowa yet, who's a two-seed right. with Caitlin Clark, who is an incredible right? shooter. Yeah. Their team just scores a ton of points on offense. They're really good. Um, but I think there's South Carolina and then like five or six teams that if any of them made the Final Four, it would not surprise me. I think the bummer with another three-seed Notre Dame, like we mentioned last yeah. week, is that yeah. without Olivia Miles and Dara Mabry, they're not as a big of an offensive threat. Those are two of their best players, both out. I assume Olivia Miles is out. We don't actually really know, but Notre Dame's been very you know, quiet about it, and it looked like she had a pretty bad injury. So they're only plus 600 to win the tournament. Yeah. and 6,000. That's that's, sorry, plus 6,000, you're right. Yeah. Um, that is a bummer because I think there are – I mean, I think there are a lot of competitive three seeds in this bracket, like you said, but – um, none of them have really been able to put all the pieces together in a way that would put me, you know, make me put them in the final four. Yeah, again, uh, Jess and I both being domers, you know, that, that was a tough one to see the players that are out. They take on uh, Southern Utah, get by them. They'll probably be Creighton uh, at the sixth seed, and then they'd have to go through if Maryland got there, the two seed, uh, uh, yeah, to keep and going. I, it, they're, and they're, they're, in, uh, they're in South Carolina's bracket too, so if somehow Notre Dame were to win a few, 
I, I just don't see them getting past South Carolina. I don't even know if they make it that far. And, and it's really more a testament to injuries than anything else, I mean, of, of what's kind right. of knocked them down. But, uh, um, but so, you know, we, we gave you a lot of the odds on the DraftKings Sportsbook on that one. Again, the women's side usually holds a little more uh, to chalk uh, uh, than the men's side, maybe a lot more to chalk than the men's side. It is weird seeing UConn not a number one seed because we're so used to seeing them uh, as a number one seed. That That is kind of a wild thing, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, people get sick of seeing the same teams yeah, always in yeah. it on the women's side, but that has not been the case the last few years. If you've been paying attention, there's been some really interesting runs and some teams that have kind of, you know, come out of nowhere and, and been dominant, so... I wouldn't expect UConn necessarily to be in the final this year, even though they're right, playing I their agree. best down the stretch. But um, I think no matter who who is in the final, if South Carolina does make it through, which I, I think they will, like they're just so stacked. Like even their bench players are are better than you know yep. starters on other teams, and they have experience and they have Don Staley, who's a really good coach, Hall of Fame coach. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see any of these other teams up there with them but if they I would be shocked if they didn't make it to the national championship let me just let me just say there's no way I'm betting against them I I just I can't think of a good reason outside of just taking a flyer um to they're on a 30 38 game winning streak I believe their last loss was in the SEC tournament last year but like I said I hate picking back-to-back it's really hard to repeat so it might happen it would just shock me I agree we will see that's the women's side over to the men's side I uh, just mentioned who we're going to talk to is a DraftKings analyst and host of Unreasonable Odds podcast. Let's talk to Julian Edlow. All right, so Julian, um, listen, this is the best time of the year, and I am a multiple sheet guy. I do not turn in just one sheet when I'm doing my thing, but now, I mean, it, it, this is so much fun to be involved in March Madness on the men's and on the women's side. So in your overview of this, how do you see how the bracket has been laid out? Yeah, it's an open one. Uh, we've been saying that a lot in recent years, but but it's very true. Uh, there are a, a handful of teams that can win it all. And when you have a, a season where you see teams getting ranked number one and constantly getting knocked off, many of them in their first game ranked number one overall, you, you know that you're going to get this. So we had some debate about who the number one overall seed would be, who the four number one seeds should be, and uh, just kind of the trickle-down effect of how really the top four seeds in each region would, would shake out. And what it comes down to is the difference between them, which is the top 16 teams in the nation there's not all that much of a difference between them and I think that's going to create a a great tournament along with the fact that a lot of these small conference champions uh, are really good teams and are going to give some of these major conference teams a good fight in the first round and we're going to see plenty of upsets in this tournament okay help me out because I don't watch a lot of regular season men's college basketball I usually check in around conference tournament time and I think there's a lot of people that (laughs) fill out brackets that do the same thing yeah and this year is weird because a lot of the head coaches that we know and love and trust are no longer well maybe not love but they're not coaching anymore (laughs) so these teams have a little bit different identities maybe there's not like a runaway favorite like most people aren't going to pick duke as a five seed to win you know they're usually a, a, a safe team to put in your final four but like who who should i even be looking at right now and like what is the safe bet to put in my final four yeah, I mean, draw-wise, to be honest, a, a week ago or 10 days ago, like Alabama was a team that I was looking to fade. Um, they finished the regular season 0-4 against the spread. Uh, they had the, the Brandon Miller situation hanging over them. And then the SEC tournament starts, and they steamroll three games and win that SEC tournament and looked fantastic. It looked like it was no longer a distraction. Then they land the number one overall seed in the tournament, and as, as you're supposed to as the number one overall seed, you get the the clearest path. And by the numbers, Alabama does analytically have the easiest road of teams to get through to reach the Final Four. Um, I will say, I, I don't really have any Final Four bets. I'm not totally confident in anyone to, to win a region. Um, but if we're talking DraftKings Sportsbooks specifically, like Elite 8 and Sweet 16 are bets that you can make. There's a lot of teams. Sweet 16-wise, you're talking about winning two games. Um, you'll be cashing those bets on Thursday, on Saturday and Sunday before the first weekend is, is even over. 
Um, so Alabama, for example, with their road, I, I think to the Elite Eight is a really clear path. And, and to put them there in your bracket and, and, and to place that as a bet if you're somewhere that you can wager on DK Sportsbook. Um, teams, if you want to be a little more, uh, you know, modest with, with from a wagering standpoint, teams like UConn, Texas, Gonzaga, I think have a great Sweet 16 path uh, in terms of a betting angle on DK Sportsbook. And, and bracket-wise as well, I, I, I would put them deep, although UConn and Gonzaga do happen to be in what I would think is the most difficult region, that west region, the bottom right corner yep. if you're filling out yep. your bracket. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that region is one of the toughest uh, there. The the one that surprised me, Julie, I'm not going to lie, was to win it all, Houston's the favorite, a plus 450. I, I almost have them being the first number one seed out, yet how they, they got the, 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 the best odds to win the title. First one seed out, I'm going Purdue, but we can talk, we can talk about them uh, in a little bit. Um Houston so Houston's really good they they made an impressive tournament run last year without some of their best players brought back a lot of their guys uh I get it the swarming defense a veteran backcourt and a good coach uh and they're the final four is in their backyard it's it's in Houston right. but of course for that to matter they have to win four games and get there and I'm not convinced that they will I, I have Texas coming out of that Midwest region uh, to me, here's the difference with Houston. Like, they just haven't played anybody in so long since that non-conference schedule. And the one really competitive team in the AAC that they face is Memphis. And they faced them twice over the last 10 days or so. They won on a buzzer beater on the road at Memphis, struggled with them, and then they got kind of mopped by them. I know they didn't have Sasser, who's their best player, but Houston got mopped by uh, by Memphis in the AAC conference championship game. So... When Memphis, or sorry, when Houston rather sees a team like Texas, who every night in the Big Twelve you're playing somebody that is one of the best teams in the country, again veteran backcourt there, a lot of guards, athletic freshmen, depth with bigs. I think that Texas is going to be something that Houston hasn't seen in a while, and I really like Texas in that potential Elite Eight matchup. So I'm I like I said I'm terrible at filling out a bracket. Mike and I have talked about how everyone is little, don't feel bad about it. No, I'm especially bad though. So I did mine yesterday, and somehow I don't know how I ended up with Virginia as my national championship. Can you tell me why that's stupid? <laughs> All right, that is um, that's yeah, a gutsy call. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it is. No, just so. say it. Like, but I don't know how it happened. I was just like kind of going off vibes, and I was like, you know what? put them in the final four and then oh i guess they won i don't know how it happened so i i really liked that 2019 virginia team that won it all but they had scores like deandre hunter was a top five pick kyle guy was a great shooter that went to the nba i don't know they're a little more athletic than they have been the last few years but i don't know where the offense comes from with virginia they can play defense but then you see like an aac uh, or sorry an acc championship game against Duke the size and athleticism and scoring of Duke was too much so when they potentially get to an Alabama um I think that's too much size athleticism scoring if they even make it to that game Furman's gonna be tough San Diego State's gonna be tough uh I don't know about Virginia I love I love the coaching and I love the defense but it takes a balance with offense um you know to make a run in this kind of tournament should I yeah, just bet the under in every game then? Like, where <laughs> what are we, what are we doing with Virginia? Should I go change it? I mean, there's still time. Yeah, what to do? Help go me. change it. Go change it. I'll, let me. I'm not going to tell you how to make your bracket because they're probably now going to make a deep tournament run now that we've had this yeah. conversation. <laughs> I have I have Furman in my bracket me, in the first round. Okay. So you have okay. them national champions. I have them losing <laughs> in the first round. Wow, and, and that's the beauty of this, without question. Exactly. So, and you know what? I may change my mind because the more I thought about it when you answered my last question, I might think Purdue might be out first as the number one. I think, I think I'm going to agree with you there, but I don't think Houston makes it to the Final Four. As a matter of fact, I, I, when you said it, and that, that's where I was going to go down the road, I have Texas. I have Texas and Kansas in the finals. Uh, I, 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 well, no, they can't be in the finals. What am I saying? I was going to say, what, I, I was what bracket say, are you looking at? I, I, don't, I, I, I think Texas, you filled out the I, wrong bracket. I have Texas and Kansas in the final four on the, the right side. Four, yep. 
on the Alabama, right side of the maybe? bracket. Okay. And I have Alabama. So here's the here's where I'm going because I haven't filled it out yet. That's why I'm, I'm just I'm I'm constructing it right now. So you're you're a pen and paper guy, right, Mike? Like you're not I am, doing without it a okay. doubt, I without a doubt. That. So so yes, oh, the right Julian. I love it's right here. Yes. I love I love filling out a paper bracket. That's the feeling uh, you got to get with it. Not that's, the, that's not the clicks on the left. I got that's a hand what I cramp do. Just looking at that. And, and I fill out like ten to fifteen and go in a bunch of these different pools to try and win the cash, as I used to say. So I have Texas and Kansas on the right side uh, in the final four. I'm working on the left side, but it's like for those people that that do their sheet of integrity and only fill out one sheet, it's tough to pick where the upsets are going to come from, and a lot of them will end up going mostly chalk, especially with ones or twos. Who are the ones outside the ones and twos and maybe even threes that you think have that shot to get to the final four? Oh, man. Um, So I think like the only team that is not a top two seed that I have in the final four in my bracket. Now, again, from a betting standpoint, as this goes along, like I could go different directions is UConn. But UConn's coming out of the toughest bracket. Like it could be Kansas, UCLA, Gonzaga or UConn coming out of that bottom right, the West region. And I would say, uh, you know, fine. What would shock me is if it wasn't one of those top four seeds out of the West that made it there because that that bracket is so loaded. But I do have UConn there. They were they played so well when they got ranked number one overall uh, out of the gate uh, early season non-conference. They were beating teams down and uh, they kind of fell off for a little bit and then they got it back towards the end of Big East play. Um, teams that tend to make runs in this tournament, generally if you go off Ken Palm, they are balanced teams. So a team that ranks top 25 in offensive efficiency and top 25 in defensive efficiency. UConn is one of those teams this season. Um, and I'll give you the whole five. It is UConn, yeah. UConn, Texas, Alabama. Um, those are three. Those are the three of the five that I have in front of me, at least. I'll tease you, and I'll try and think of the others later. Uh, Texas, Alabama, and UConn are, are the right, teams go, with I'm the— I'm going to go change my bracket. Mike, can you handle the rest of this interview? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. You need to go change your right bracket. Back. UConn, yeah. Texas, and Alabama are the three teams that are the most balanced on, on both sides of the ball. Um, and funny enough, I have all three of them in the final four in, in my bracket. So I'm, I'm trusting the metrics, uh, in, in that sense, but let me give you one. Cause I teased Purdue going down early. Yeah. Let me give you a team that I think can make a run. I don't have them in the final four, but I did put them in the elite eight and that is the eight seeded Memphis Tigers. I think that they again. I'm terrified that they lose to a 31 and three FAU team. And then I look like an idiot. But if they can win that game on Friday night against FAU, which I think they they do, I love Memphis against Purdue. Purdue has shown a lot of weakness in the Big Ten. They let Penn State come back down from 16 points down to have a possession with a chance to win the game at the buzzer in the Big Ten championship game. Purdue can let go of the rope. They have freshman guards that are inexperienced. I don't love their coaching, and they have the National Player of the Year in 7-4 Zach Eady. But if you can contain him in a tournament like that, deny him the ball, Purdue's going to get lost. So Memphis has a veteran backcourt. They're going to have the best player in the floor on the floor, and they have athletic enough bigs to contain Eady a little bit. So I think they can squeak by there. And then you're talking about them in the Sweet 16 having just taken down Purdue. They're going to have all that momentum. People will be talking about them winning another game. So I think Memphis Sweet 16 Elite 8 type of run as an 8 seed is, um, you know, I guess the most contrarian thing that I have going in my bracket. But I think that's a pretty good call, quite honestly, because you have changed my mind on Purdue when I thought Houston. I do think Purdue's going to get dumped. And I'm looking at that East, and you know there's always a 5 seed that wins, at least one. And the highest, as far as the DraftKings Sportsbook, from, from that side, Duke is plus 3,500. Uh, 3, but they're the highest of the five seeds, I believe, if I'm looking at this correctly, as far as, as that is concerned. So I don't, I don't know if they'll make that run. But that East, to me, is a little more wide open. You, you think Memphis will beat Purdue. And I think I'll go, I'm going to go along with that. But I'm trying to think who can come out of that side. You know, Marquette sitting at the two. And then you have Kansas State at three, Tennessee at the four. And could Duke actually, from the season that they had, make a run to the Final Four? Because I think that may be, may be, I don't know if you agree, one of the more wide-open uh, sections of, of the sheets. 
Yeah, I'm with you, Golik. I think the East is the weakest region. Let's yeah. put it that way. The West yeah. is the strongest. The East is the weakest. I, I was um, trying to be nice and saying wide open, but yes, it's the weakest. Yeah. <laughs> no, all right, no, need, all right. no need to sugarcoat it. Let's say the I weakest. Re- but I, go ahead. I, re- I redid mine, and I, I ended up with Oral Roberts in the final four. So maybe I've, I'll try this again. <laughs> Jess, we're going to have you leave right now. <laughs> no, I got to go. Um, this is going to take me all night to fix. Well, let me say this. Like, Mike was just talking about all the all the Duke love, and they're they're playing. They got hot down the stretch, and you know, it's Duke. They have the talent and they have the size, so I I get it. I did put Oral Roberts through on my bracket, and when the numbers opened, I I did take Oral Roberts plus seven and a half in that game. People forget. You might remember this Oral Roberts team from a couple years ago. They beat Ohio State as a near twenty point dog in a fifteen to two upset, and then won another game over Florida to go to the Sweet 16. They have a, I think he's a fifth-year senior guard in Max Aveness, who's like one of the best scorers in the country. So point guard advantage, Oral Roberts. The thing with Duke is all the size. So you see Oral Roberts, and they're like, oh, well, it's a bunch of small guys. How are they going to defend those seven-footers? No, Oral Roberts has a seven-foot-five center that can clog up the paint with those big guys. Like, I think Oral Roberts is going to make this a game. I went contrarian with them in my bracket because I think everybody's going to go Duke. But um, I like them with the points in that game. I want Oral Roberts and Purdue maybe to play one another just to see 7-4 against 7-5 in a true five position, you know, that we don't see a lot uh, anymore. And obviously yeah. I reversed it. I said you always get a – I picked out the five seed. You always get a 12 that beats a five. Do you think that's mm-hmm. the only 12 upset, 12-5 upset Oral Roberts on your sheet over Duke outside of the other three? No, I think that all the 12 seeds are are live, uh, honestly. Um, but a popular one might be Charleston, who only lost three games against San Diego State. I do think San Diego State does get through there. But the other two in my bracket, I, I did take the, the upsets. Um, Miami, I, I really do like their backcourt. Their center obviously rolled the ankle a minute into the ACC um, game against Duke. If he's back, I, I do think Miami gets it done, but... Drake is a dog there. I don't mind. The one that I really like is VCU. Um, and I do have him ultimately losing to UConn in the next round. But VCU. Oh, I have that uh, one. Is a f- <laughs> you got it. There you go. I lo- to go. We're back. I love that one. I think you're on the right side here. Yeah. VCU All right, I picks up final full four. court press. VCU picks up full court press all game. And St. Mary's is coming from the West Coast. They're traveling to play a 2 p.m. tip in Albany. That's kind of out of their comfort zone. VCU uh, VCU is going to pick them up full court. St. Mary's is a slow-paced team. Guards that don't really do much. They're all about defense. I think VCU presses them full court, creates a lot of turnovers, and and wins that game outright. Well, I'm glad right, you well. I'm glad you jumped in on that, Jessica. And, and, yeah. And have or that that West more I look at that West region, man. It is really really going to be something else. So, Julian, last one for me. There are, I have the top 15 in front of me as far as the best odds on the DraftKings Sportsbook to win the title. Houston being number one at plus 450 and Creighton being number 15 at plus 4,000 tied with Kentucky there at the bottom. If you were to take a flyer, you know, take, take that flyer and, and, and try and make a, a few bucks, which one of the, of the top 15 that, that we have and the odds would you say, oh, that might not be a bad bet, it could work out for you? I'm going to preface this by saying that since the bracket has come out, I haven't bet anyone to win it all. I love some of these Sweet 16 and Elite 8 bets like Alabama, Elite 8, UConn, Gonzaga, Texas, Sweet 16. But you're asking me the question, you got to always answer the question, who's winning it all? I I think Texas, who's been floating around that 12-1 to 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 14-1 range, is the best value right now. And you know what creates it. Like, we talked about it. What makes them, what gives them that longer number is that they're in Houston's bracket and everybody has Houston and Houston's the favorite overall in the tournament. So if you can go find a team to go against that, it creates value. And I think Texas is that value right now. They just smoked Kansas twice, uh, the regular season finale and the Big 12 championship game. Houston hasn't seen a team like that. So give me Texas. I am so with, I am so glad you said that. Like I said, I had the, the right side of my bracket, Texas and Kansas, and I have to figure out the left side. But I've been all along, once this bracket came out, I said, I think Texas is going to win it all. And they're sitting at right in the middle of the top 15 I talked about, right in that area there, plus 1,400. I am all in on that one. So, Julian, thank you for kind of rubber stamping where I was going to go, at least on one of my sheet. I can't say 
what the Jess, I will say on maybe one of my 15 sheets, I'll have Oral Roberts winning it all. Just, you know, you know, for, for you. Well, you can copy my bracket anytime, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Julian, we appreciate the time very much and we'll keep a close eye on this going through. Thanks, man. Okay, Mike, we need to talk about what's going on in the NFL right now because it is the start of – do you say Happy New Year at the start of the new ye- league year? Is that is that something we so. can say? Okay, I, Happy I New so. Year. Yeah, because of Almost. the bags of money that are going out, you know, <laughs> I, I think it's a Happy New Year for more than a few people. So we're recording this on Wednesday morning. We don't know what uh, Aaron Rodgers is doing yet other than all of the hints that he's dropped and things yeah. he's demanded from the Jets. So is it fair to assume he's going to play for the Jets next year? Yeah, I, I think so. He basically the, – the Jets have met with him. The brass and the ownership has met with him. And, I mean, everybody knows a lot of this already. But basically, he's put out a wish list. And Alan Lazard, looks like, is going to be signing with the Jets. Cobb, mm-hmm. uh, on that wish list, is Randall Cobb to be signed there. Mercedes Lewis, who I think is going to be entering, like, his 19th year or something like that. These are things that Aaron Rodgers wants the Jets to do. Um, so, again, as Jess said at the taping of this, there's been no decision. But we all believe – the decision now is is going to be done. Now, there are a few things that have to be done. First, take care of his wish list. Second, what's the compensation? What are the Jets going to send back to Green yeah. Bay? Because it's got to be a trade, so whether it's personnel or, or draft picks. And then redoing his <clears throat> contract, which I, I think he'll do, uh, you know, through all of this. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But it does seem like it's going to happen. It's just a matter of... Of when and just for those people that are saying, what are the Jets doing and why is why is Aaron Rodgers holding him hostage? Aaron Rodgers isn't holding anybody hostage. Aaron Rodgers yeah. is is saying what he wants, and there's a team willing to do it. So well, you know what? It, you're not you're not a hostage if you're willing to do it. Yeah, it's a team that made a major whiff on drafting a quarterback and right. probably doesn't want to do that again because statistically drafting quarterbacks is very difficult and they believe that they're basically a quarterback away from winning that division so this is the surest bet for them I looked it up Mercedes Lewis was drafted in 2006 so yeah that's a long time to be that is a long time isn't it (laughs) good for him wow good for him but yeah I mean I I don't know the thing about all the Aaron Rodgers talk and conversation is that it's I'm ready for it to end I'm ready just for him to make a decision and stick with it and then not think about him till August or September. Yeah. And listen, he's a guy, you know, it, lo- lo- it seems like he really loves being in the news. Oh yeah, for um, sure. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And a lot of people don't like the way it's gone the last couple of years when he said, I don't want to hold anybody up. I want to make a decision. And now here we are kind of <laughs> holding things up because, you know, because you see what happened in, Tampa Bay when Tom went there is you saw guys that would take less money to go play with Tom and it worked out. They won a Super Bowl, and you wonder if there are players out there that would do that for the Jets, but they don't really know what's going on. Now it does look like it's leaning that way as they're signing, you know, his wish list of players and then work out the deal. Here's the other thing I don't want to hear people complain about. You know, there are a lot of people that don't like the way Aaron Rodgers is doing it. Like I said, you could ask for whatever you want. Yeah, you, could, you know, and, and why not ask? I mean, right. celebrity like musicians have writers when they play concerts, right? Exactly the same right. thing. You know, just, all they can do some, is the, the Jets could say no. in a bowl. Yeah. yeah. And take out the green M&M, you know, and, <laughs> and, and all that. So the Jets could have said no or said, we're not doing this, but right. they're playing along. So so that that's more on them. Here's the other thing I don't want to hear, Jess, is what I heard. I've heard a lot of analysts talk about. Well, if, if he does this, he needs to work out with these young receivers. Well, now they're going to have older receivers too, but the Garrett Wilsons of the world. Right. And if they draft another one possibly, which they may not now bringing in these wide receivers, he's got to work with these guys in the offseason. When has he ever done that? He, they, they, he had new receivers last year in Green Bay and didn't do it. So to yeah. sit there and say he has to do it, why? He hasn't done it in the past. If he does it, great. That's fine. But to expect him to do it, he didn't do it in Green Bay. So right. if and when he doesn't do it with the Jets, you're going to get mad at him? Yeah, Dude, I mean, he's never done it before. He he calls the shots. Yes. There's, there's, yeah, like that's a little silly, but 
Aaron Rodgers does things the way he wants to do them, yeah. and he's going to continue to do them that way. Maybe by the time people listen to this, it will be official, and so right, we right. should move on just in case because there's been enough of Aaron Rodgers lately. Yeah, there right. has. So now we, we go to Lamar Jackson, and there hasn't been a lot said about that, but there's a reason why. So again, at the taping of this, which is on, on a, a Tuesday. Wednesday. Tuesday. Uh, it's a Wednesday. Is that what day it is already? <laughs> Today's oh, Wednesday. Shit. Today's Wednesday. Wow, you think I would be better? I know. Than Tell that. the people outside partying right now. It's Wednesday. Uh, how about it? By the way, I think I started hearing some of the thumping it's, too. I mean, yeah, this yeah. room is shaking right now. That is amazing. So, so again, as we're taping this, and I have Jess here to correct me on the date of which we're doing <laughs> this. At four o'clock is when teams can start offering uh-huh. for Lamar Jackson. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But that's one of the reasons there's really been no news uh, about that. And none of the it really insiders have heard any chatter. But it, for those that don't know, again, if you want Lamar Jackson, it will cost you two first round draft picks. Mm-hmm. And then you got to work out a deal with him. Mm-hmm. And that's been the biggest battle over in between our podcast Jess is the fact that Daniel Jones got all that money and Lamar still doesn't have anything well Lamar can't have anything yet Daniel Jones was a free agent so he could sign and I am all I'm happy for Daniel I'm happy for anybody who gets that bag of money out there Mm -hmm. and eventually Lamar Jackson will as well it's just a matter of what he's going to take is he going to settle if they want to give him less than what Deshaun Watson got uh, or is he going to hold his ground and say, I'm not playing unless I get more and it's all guaranteed? That we don't know. And that's the battle uh, right? That, that's going to that's go on mm-hmm. right now is if you're a team, are you willing to meet his demands or is, is that not going to be out there? And everybody just is yelling collusion amongst the owners and about saying they're so, they're, they're so pissed at Haslam over in, in Cleveland mm-hmm that they did this guaranteed deal for Deshaun Watson, that they're calling it an outlier, not really a precedent that's going to go forward. Where Lamar Jackson saying, I don't care a shit what you call it. <laughs> I deserve more than that. So yeah. that, that's what he, that's what he's going to want. So I don't even know if there needs to be collusion amongst the owners and there may be, but mm-hmm. I think they all even individually don't want to start doing this because a note for people that may not know baseball and basketball, those contracts are guaranteed that's not in the CBA. That was not negotiated. That's just how it went. That's how players held out until they got the guaranteed contracts. Now, so it's, we don't have that in football yet, and that's what the players are waiting for, which player will hold out to get it. And we mm-hmm. saw Deshaun Watson get it. doesn't sound like he had to really hold out to get it. Right. <laughs> uh, but right. you got Justin Herbert coming up. you got Joe Burrow coming up. you got Jalen Hurts coming up, who are all going to keep an eye on it. And you know if Lamar Jackson gets a guaranteed deal, those guys are all going to ask for guaranteed deals as well. So it, that, that's what's really going to be the interesting thing here is there going to be a team who says, screw it. We want his talent on our team for the next, hopefully, you know, six to ten years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're we're going to spend this money. Yeah, he's only 26 years old. He's already won an MVP. He was the face of the Ravens franchise. It seems bizarre that they didn't try to figure this out before it got to this point with him. Yeah. And now there's going to be hurt feelings no matter what happens. I think like both sides will probably be unhappy. Um, ho- hopefully Lamar isn't. I mean, I-, I think it would be great to see him go somewhere else and flourish because I don't think the Ravens handled the situation very well with a player that meant a lot to the organization and the team. And I, and I think the big question, Jess, is going to be that the ball, Ravens and, and Lamar couldn't work anything out. So there's part of me that wonders if Baltimore just said, okay, we'll put the non-exclusive on you. Go, you know, bargain right. with somebody else. Make someone else do all the work. <laughs> exactly right. And then at the end, Baltimore will say, okay, someone's willing to pay it, so we'll pay it. And then right. they match it, and then the ends yeah. up still with Baltimore because we and haven't even, heard. Yeah, and even so, like, how do you how do you repair that when this is all played out publicly? He's tweeting about it, like refuting claims about this amount that he hasn't signed on his Twitter account. Like, there's a lot uh, going on there. There was also, you know, like at the end of the season when he wasn't playing and he was he was tweeting about you know his injury and everything like that. It just seemed like he didn't feel like they had his back and that they were really putting, you know, defending him out there in the press. So it just seems like there's going to be hard feelings about it. It's amazing, though, though, just when you get your money, how some of that stuff melts away. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I think, yeah, $230 million guaranteed God. probably would make some hard feelings go away. That's a good but, point. But, but that's know, the biggest but. question. And I was doing an interview in Cleveland the other day, and the, 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 the hosts were asking me, why would the other owners care what the Browns are doing? You know, the Browns haven't won a championship in so long, and, and they lost last year in the last, you know, and Baker Mayfield that, that was a quarterback when they made the playoffs. Why would other teams care? And I said, it's not the Browns. It just happens to be the Browns because that's who signed Deshaun. It's all mm -hmm. about the guaranteed contract. That's all, mm -hmm. that's all right. that ticked off all the other owners. So we'll wait and see on that. You know, some guys that got paid, uh, Javon Hargrave, the D tackle one from Philly mm -hmm. uh, to the 49ers for 84 mil. Mike McGlinchey, a domer. Right tackle yeah. for San Francisco went to Denver for eighty-seven and a half million dollars. We did have a couple of quarterback moves. Uh, yes. Derek Carr went to the Saints, and Jimmy Garoppolo went to Vegas, which I, I think is a good signing. He goes from the weapons he had in San Francisco were multiple to now going to the Raiders, where they have Devontae Adams, they have Renfro, they have Josh Jacobs, who had a career and year they, last year, and they traded Darren Waller they to the Giants. Waller. Yes. For a c compensatory third-round pick, Mike. What a, what a weird married, situation. He married who? Kelsey Plum from the Kelsey Aces? Kelsey Plum. They yes. all could have been in Vegas together, and he got traded to the Giants. And apparently part of it was because he was mad that Josh McDaniels revealed that yes. he was getting married at the – this one of the most bizarre stories. Yeah. I, I hope that we hear more about what happened there because um, – Really strange. Now he's going to be on the Giants. So, I mean, great signing for the Giants, but. Yeah, yeah, great <laughs> signing for the Giants. So, and again, there was the trade that now Carolina traded with um, the Bears. The Bears, by the way, have been doing pretty well. They got DJ Moore, wide receiver. They picked up a couple of linebackers, yeah. including Tremaine Edmonds uh, from I mean, they Buffalo. got a haul for that first pick. Yeah, they, they did. So, I, like, I think the Bears did exactly the right thing. You keep, I still don't buy those that were saying trade Justin Fields. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. They keep Justin Fields, build around him, and see where it goes. And I think Carolina, you ask me right now, Jess, forgetting the combine, I, I somebody wrote something and I read it, and Bryce Young had been the presu pre pre presumptive number one pick, right? And I heard somebody say, did C.J. Stroud pass Bryce Young with his combine performance? And all I have to say is, if a team decide on a combine performance that he passed a guy you had a higher grade on when they actually played football, you're an idiot. That's all I got to say, okay? If, if you're a team and you have Bryce Young rated higher at the end of the season than C.J. Stroud, at the end of the season, if you had him rated higher than C.J. Stroud and because of the combine workout, you put C.J. Stroud ahead of it, I got nothing for you. I'm sorry. I got nothing for you. We Again, should make this a recurring segment, the you're an oh. idiot. I, I designation. Just, we should because I, I again I'm not in the meeting room with him, which I think is the best thing with the quarterbacks. Yeah. Get on the, the the blackboard, go over tape and all that. Now for me, Jess, we talked about the the top four quarterbacks in this draft: Young, Stroud, Richardson, and um, Will Levis. And Levis, uh, Levis, yeah, Levis, Levis. I don't. I don't know actually. Yeah. I said it and um, it didn't sound good. Yeah, so I think it's Levis. Um, and, and by watching film. Again, let me preface this by watching them all season long, not at the combine. If I'm Carolina, I take C.J. Stroud. He's he's the guy to me. Now, again, there's four that are going to go in the first round. And you uh -huh. mentioned before, it's a 50-50 shot of a bust. So by history, two are going to be good and two are going to be busts. So you talk about crossing your fingers if you're a team in a fan and base and taking one of these guys. That's why a lot of teams are like, you know what? Let's just sign the, the guy that's a sure thing. Aaron yes. Rodgers will give you yes. whatever you want. Yeah, that's why Garoppolo <laughs> is, is not. It, it Carr Derek Carr is, is well. the Saints. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so we'll see. We'll see where it all lands. But we kind of had that first wave of free agents making the big money. Now we'll see uh, what other moves are made again before the draft, which will affect draft boards. But uh, this is always a, a fun time of year. Seeing all, and, and I tweeted this as well, Jess. All these players, you see the money going out, and it's monster money. Listen, this, mm -hmm. is, this is great money. In nine years in the NFL, I made a total of $2.5 million. Now, again, it's a lot of money, but oh, over let nine years. Let me go years, to back to the old inflation yeah, calculator. Yeah, go ahead. Nine years from, <laughs> from when I got in the league in 85 <laughs> to 94, I made $2.5 million in total. My first salary was $62,000 with wow. the Houston Oilers. I didn't make over $100,000 till my fourth year. 
uh, in the league. And and I'm not saying this out of, oh, my God, these guys today, I'm jealous. No, but that, well, I mean, that's how much I get paid to do one episode of the show with you. So. See, there you go. That's exactly where it's gone. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I'm happy you're grabbing the bag. I'm happy the players are grabbing the bag. I'm happy everybody is grabbing that bag of money. But what I said is all the play NFL players are feeling great about what they're signing. And then we're going to hit NBA free agency and all the NFL right. players are going to go, Oh shit. Is that a lot yeah. of money? <laughs> all right. Well, two and a half million in 1999 is now four and a half million in 2023 in terms of buying power. So there you go. Okay. All right. That's uh, a little better, but uh, better than your two fifty at the lifeguard stand. I that's guess. exactly right. That's exactly right. I was definitely making more as an NFL player than as a lifeguard. So <laughs> I, I hope these guys all grab the money. I hope Lamar gets what he, I hope everybody gets what they want. We know it doesn't always work that way, but as a former player, I'm always on their side mm-hmm. and, and I'll never, I'll never sit there and say, this guy doesn't deserve that when they first sign it. You can, you, you will find out three or four years into the contract if it worked out monetarily. But I'll certainly never say that going in because you asked for something and the team said yes. So that's all that matters. That's absolutely all all that matters. Well, we'll see how this unfolds and I'll see you next week when we can make fun of my bracket some more once it's busted. We'll do that. We'll see if you're still partying. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.